Welcome to the Athletes Doing Good podcast. I'm Shelly Seward, president of Capture Sports Marketing. And I'm sports reporter Jen Latta. Like many pro athletes, Chase Anderson has been playing baseball since he was a little guy. He's moved around the league, pitching for the Diamondbacks, the Brewers, and now the Toronto Blue Jays. Today, he shares with us how his upbringing helped him survive the challenges of pro baseball, why he lives by the motto, never forget where you came from, and how, before each start, he honors his late father with a fashionable flair. By the end of today's conversation, we hope you understand why Chase's wife, Anna, who joins him today, says she is prouder of the man he is off the diamond than the man he is on it. Another athlete doing good. So guys, let's just begin with um, Chase, real simple. I'm curious what you remember about your call-up day. Um, I'm always fascinated to hear guys' stories about the day they got the call, that they were going to make their big league debut. Well, um, I'll go back a little bit. I was went back to double-A before I get this call-up. I go back to double-A from being in triple-A the year before. I'm like, okay, baseball might not be working out because I'm going back a level. I'm 26 in double-A, and all those guys are early 20s. Um, but I pitched really well for a month and a half. Um, I get a phone call. I was already at my – Host mom's house that night. Um, get a phone call from the manager, like I don't know, nine thirty or ten, something like that. I was already back at home. He tells me I need to come back. I gotta maybe I'm getting called up. I think I'm getting called up to AAA. Um, he just wants to talk to me about something. Maybe my last outing. I don't know what. Remember exactly what Andrew Green was telling me. Uh, I go back. Gives me the, gives me the good news. I'm kind of in shock. <laughs> um, I go back. To my, Host family's house that I still stay in contact with today. They actually texted me yesterday on that uh, six-year anniversary of being called up on Cinco de Mayo. That was cool. Yeah, so it was a whirlwind of emotions and feelings. But yeah, getting getting that call and, and getting to Milwaukee. We actually debuted. Uh, I debuted, but I got called up to Milwaukee. Uh, Arizona was in the, on the road there, um, and then it's funny thinking that because I played for Milwaukee for four years. Um, but yeah, just wild. She flew in, met me in Milwaukee. Um, I didn't pitch there. I was so nervous. I got the call to actually make a start on my next that Mother's Day coming up, May May 11th. It was. So yeah, um, it's been it's been a whirlwind ever since. <laughs> what do you remember about that that time, the period where he was called up and then making that start? Um, oh, it was such a whirlwind. He had actually told me a, a few weeks before that that he thought because we'd gotten married that off season that. Um, I should, I should quit my job and we should be together. And uh, I think my response is something like, huh, uh, I don't know that I agree, um, but I'll pray about it too. And we'll just kind of see. Um, and it was right about two weeks to the day that he got called up. Um, luckily my job was really good at the time and they let me um, kind of have my two days off for his part. So I would fly out, watch him start, fly back work the four or five days between and, and did that for about eight weeks. Which is probably more expensive than that. Just quitting your job. <laughs> but, but it was so worth it. And it was so fun um, to be able to be a part of it um, with him. I mean, when you first get called up, you don't know if, if you're going to stick or if it's just for a minute. Um, so it was nice getting to be a part of it, but then still feel like we had the security of, um, my job for a little bit until we felt like it was the best decision for us to ultimately just be together. Yeah, we were, we were both raised pretty humbly by single parents for the most part. And um, 
we were trying to make smart financial decisions so we weren't in the same position we were growing up. So when we do start having kids and stuff, we could you know, afford to have the kids. So we were just trying to make smart decisions and wise decisions along the way. And um, yeah, she she put her. I told her that two weeks later than than what happened. <laughs> Two weeks before, then what happened? Yeah, he got called up. Called so up, called up like, two, oh, two weeks later. So <laughs> maybe I should have put that two week notice in. <laughs> I don't I'm think many, it, it all worked out. It did. I don't think many people realize what you go through in the minors, and you know, you're saying host family, and um, you know, fluctuating back and forth. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about your journey there? Yeah, um, I was drafted in 09. I went to Missoula, Montana, um, lived in an apartment. I had no idea what this life was about, but I was, you know, got drafted. You go there and live with five guys in an apartment. We're both making 100 bucks every two weeks after taxes. And we're like, okay, we got to pay 100 bucks, 105 bucks for rent. We might have some food, pay insurance, cell phone bill, all that kind of stuff. So we had to manage our money really well to have any money left at the end of the year, which we really didn't since we all did off-season jobs unless you signed for – um, millions of dollars, which that was not the case for me. Um, then I went to high A, um, or I went to low A in South Bend, lived in an apartment with five guys again, just, you know, living off, almost living off food stamps. <laughs> um, then we went to, then I went to high A. Uh, that's when my first host family came about. I still keep in contact with the Oasters today. Um, what a blessing that was because you're able to, most of them don't make you pay rent. Um, and they just offer you a room, they feed you food, um, and you could save a little bit of money. I always try to offer to buy groceries or something, but those people wouldn't let me do any of that. They were so super gracious and part of this journey and uh, thankful that I had them, um, you know, take care of me while I was pursuing my baseball career, let me live in their house and all that kind of stuff. And double A, live by myself again in an apartment with some other guys, um, triple A. I lived in an apartment with some other guys. We tried to, we had two or three, four roommates every time just to make sure we could have some money left over at the end of the day to, to eat. Um, and then I went back to AA and I asked a lady that I knew from my previous time there if uh, I could live with her just because I didn't think I was going to be there very long. I think I, was, I thought I was going to pitch good and go to AAA and hopefully get to the big leagues. Um, and she said, I need to pray about it. Never had this happen to me before. So uh, I said, okay, that sounds good. And then I ended up staying with her and um, she was part of the, the team. Um, booster. Booster, club. yeah. Yeah, Booster yeah. Club. So she knew she knew me from previous time there in Mobile. Um, and then she let me stay there. And she's I think she thanks, she was thankful I did now because she was part of that whole process of me getting to the big leagues. And yeah, super thankful for her. They actually, like I said, text me. Her and her daughter text me the other day, just wishing me six years of uh, anniversary of being in the big leagues. So pretty cool to have um, people like that be part of your journey and you get to continue to stay in touch with them. So yeah, host families are, are a blessing. Um, huge when you're in the minor leagues or in any any semi-pro sport trying to make it because you make no money and they're kind of um, giving you some shelter and some food and all those type of things. So, I, I mean, look, everybody who's been through the minors understands what you're talking about with oh, yeah. no money, up with a bunch of other dudes and, you know, just trying to make ends meet uh, and get better, obviously. That's the whole goal is to move up through the ranks. Um, that is certainly a level of adversity in that sport. But you also went through a bit of adversity personally when your father passed away. What can you tell us about that time in your life? And what do you remember most about the emotions you experienced? Man, this could be a, this could be a long answer. <laughs> the biggest thing was, in hindsight, looking back, my dad and I had these two conversations like two or three months before he passed away about how um, Chase, you're going to be okay when I'm gone. Like just weird conversations he would throw in there after dinner. And so I'm like, okay, is there something wrong with you? You're not telling me you're being prideful about. Um, and looking back, I think he was, because he was going to the doctor quite a bit. Um, 
blood pressure is out of whack. You never felt good. You come home from work in the evenings and just go straight to bed. It's weird stuff that I look back and like, okay, I should have done something, but I, I didn't really know. Um, but I think the, the main thing was not him not seeing me fulfill the dream that he sacrificed so much for me to obtain. Um, I can't, there's countless hours he put in of just, we mowed lawns together. Uh, we did all these things together to save money to um, travel to, I guess, further my baseball career. He had so much passion for, for baseball, and he wasn't any good at any sports, so he lived vicariously through me. Um, so I think the biggest thing was him not seeing me make that debut. I know he's looking down watching me during that time, but just him physically being here and me seeing the emotion on his face would have been, would have been pretty cool. Absolutely. Anna, I see, see you getting a little emotional in the, in the eyes. Um, talk a little bit about what it was to go through that with him. I mean, I also, I lost the guy that I considered um, my father as my stepdad when I was younger. And um, so we shared that uh, bond, I guess. But I, I, yeah, I remember him calling me when I was at work um, when we had just kind of started talking and it was the middle of the day and middle of the day calls in spring training normally means injury. So that's the first thing that went through my mind is, oh no. Um, and then I remember just him saying that his dad had passed and it, his dad had just left um, from being with him in spring training in Arizona. Yep. So it just came as such a shock. And I, uh, the day that he called me that um, he was getting called up, I was actually unpacking some stuff in our townhome. And I just remember um, there was a picture of his dad sitting on the floor when he called. And I just remember, so it was almost like being able to share that moment because I had never got to meet him in person. It had only been over FaceTime, uh, FaceTime or I think it was Skype at the time. <laughs> <laughs> and and um, so it was almost like getting to experience that with his dad. Um, but, and then that day, I just remember there's little things we, we joke <laughs> we find a heads up penny because him and his dad used to collect those. And so many times we'll be, um, leaving the hospital with our firstborn son and look down and there's a heads up penny. So it's just little stuff like that that keeps reminding us that his debut <laughs> home and taking public transit. I don't remember how many, you know, heads up pennies we found. So I just know that he would be so proud of Chase and his siblings and all they've accomplished um, since he's been gone. But yeah, it definitely makes me weepy for sure. <laughs> I understand that. Yes. <laughs> Chase, what is the way that you honor your dad when you take the mound? Well, I'm um, hoping the pants last a few more years. <laughs> um, I wear, he, he had some clothes left over, and I'm like, okay, I got all this stuff um, from him going through his house and moving out and shifting between stuff, giving stuff to my sisters and doing all that kind of stuff, getting rid of stuff. I'm like, okay, what's a way I can honor my dad through, through baseball since I'm not home all the time and I have a unique job? Um, so I found a pink salmon shirt that was just a, a collared shirt, uh, button up and surprising it fit. <laughs> and I tried it on. I was like, okay, this is cool. Then I found his pair of Wrangler jeans that were bleached out like those jeans. Uh, I found his belt with his belt buckle. He always wore with a big A on it. I was like, okay, that looks pretty good. Um, <laughs> then I found his ostrich skin boots and I was like, okay, I'm going to put this outfit together. Uh, look pretty good. Um, I'll never forget this though. When I was in Milwaukee, Scooter Jeanette was asking her, what are you wearing? I'm like, look like Alan Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> okay um he didn't know he didn't know it was my first year there so and i told him oh that's really cool um so yeah every start day at home i wear my dad's attire if you will from um from shirt to pants 
to belt to boots I used to wear the socks but they finally wore out uh, so i had to switch those out for my own so it's it's slowly um the clothes are deteriorating but they're in i would say in pretty good condition she irons the pants and the shirt before every start for me, so she keeps it in good shape so um yeah it's just something i do and i enjoy it it kind of feel like my dad's with me during those times he could have called you lyle love it <laughs> yeah, I mean, Alan Jackson, that's that's pretty decent uh, comparison. Exactly. Um, if your dad were here now, what would he say to you about what you've been able to do with your career and your life? Oh, man. Um, I think the biggest thing he would say would be, never forget where you came from, enjoy every moment, and don't worry about the little things. Great advice. <laughs> Yeah, and I worry about the little things all the time. Like I'm looking around, like oh, piece of dust. My wife is. Like, I'm a clean freak, and she it drives me crazy sometimes. So not to, to not worry about the stuff. Enjoy the time I have with my family, with the people that are around me, because that's what matters most, and that's a struggle of mine. <laughs> I was gonna say I read a little bit about um, everything that you have done on your mission trips. Um, what what inspired the mission trip, um, and what are some of the memories that you have from it? Um, I think my chaplain in Arizona uh, challenged me and asked me to go to the Philippines and I told her about it and she's the one like she was on board the second I told her I was kind of like oh, I don't know third world country I don't know about this this whole deal um, but we went the first time and I was like we have to go back that's why we went back the next year and now I think it's become more of a her passion not saying it's not mine but she loves going and see the little kids and uh, spend the time with the, the women. Um, and we actually partner with a uh, organization over there, Consider the Lily, that she loves. It's a lady that um, adopted, she's adopted, I mean, tons of girls into her house and takes care of them um, until they're able to kind of grow up and do their own thing. So, yeah, uh, you learn a lot. I think the main thing I learned is um, how much joy those people have and they have nothing. And we have all this stuff and we're fighting over things here in America. And, um, that joy escapes us from time to time and over there they have nothing. So they have all this joy. Um, it's just, it's wild to see how God works in those, in those places to have those, those little kids like that with smiles on their face, but they have nothing on, on them to take care of them. Dirty clothes, no food, but they're happy as can be. And we're over here fighting, like I said, and arguing about the littlest things that don't matter. So, uh, I think the biggest thing is how grateful we need to be for being born into a country that is as good as America is. Is charity something that you've always been interested in? Did you um, participate in that when you were a child or something you found later in life? Yeah, more later in life. Um, I wish it was more when I was a kid. Um, but yeah, I think we both talked about this. Um, when we got when I got to the big leagues and we were starting to make some money, we we're like, okay, we need to use this platform. And God's given us this platform for something a lot bigger than just ourselves to hoard up all this money and riches here on earth. We need to make sure we put it where, you know, moths and rust can't destroy it. So that's furthering the kingdom of heaven. And she's been really good about it. I think the first time we had to donate some money, it was harder for me than her. She was like, we got we to gotta give away this amount of money. I was like, okay, that's fine. But yeah, I, I see that we have that perspective in God. Uh, has loaned us everything, so we're in, we need to be good stewards of that. So we continue to do our best to to donate to certain places that we feel called to, and that we really um, have a deep investment in. Why is it important for people in your position with your platforms to give back? Well, if you look at the numbers, I mean, we're in a percent that's so high. Of um, you look at wealth and rich people in America. I mean, if you make over, I think, a certain amount of money, fifty, sixty thousand dollars, you're considered the one percent in the United States. You go to other countries, we've been twice to the Philippines, and you see very, very rich and very, very poor. 
And um, that just opened my eyes. Okay, God's given us this platform to really make a difference in the world. And I feel like my legacy, and I think I can speak of her too, when we pass away, we want to leave something that's lasting and our kids can continue to be generous and um, to give back to the community that has given so much to them. So I think the biggest thing is, um, I think this is what we're called to do as a Christian. Um, I think if you want to truly say you're a Christian, you have to live and walk those walk those lines and walk the walk as to talk, as talking the talk. So um, I just feel like we're called to do that as a believer in Christ. And um, we continue to do that on a daily basis. And uh, times it's tough, sometimes it's not. Um, I think for us, we just, um, we love to put smiles on other people's faces. I feel like we went to the Philippines. We got more out of it coming back of how, man, with these people really blessed us to show us how much they truly have that joy that we, we, we strive for sometimes. Yeah. I think he hit the nail on the head when he said that, you know, you get more joy in, in giving. I think if you, we've talked about this a lot lately, if you focus on yourself internally and what's going on or how much you can save or what you can get, you're never satisfied. But when you're able to turn and flip it to how much you have been given and what you can give, you get so much more in the giving or that's been my experience. I get yeah. so much joy and knowing that I was able to do something for someone else than anything that I could hold in my hand, if that makes sense. It does. Um, we hear so often that you know athletes say they're they're going to make an impact when really it's them themselves and their families that are impacted. Well, I think too is like we live in a nice house. We we drive Fords. Um, could we buy nicer stuff? Yeah, but the thing is, why, why, why do you want to buy something nicer? Is it really to to show off to the neighbors or to show off people around you? Um, we really do something that's more, um, I would say, unseen, but it's really furthering the kingdom of, of God, and that's, I think that's that's going to last longer than you know. I like my truck, right? Uh, I try. I like to get a new truck in a couple of years, but um, I've tried to get better at that. Um, I think the thing is that's my only advice. But you you look at that and say, okay, that wears off after six months. She, she'll say that. She's like, he's already wanting something different. That wears off. So I'm as soon to- as me and the kids get in it, it wears off. <laughs> <laughs> so you look at things like that and understand, okay, um, that's not going to satisfy your soul. Yeah. Things that satisfy you are something that you can you can put that's going to be everlasting. And I think that's uh, as being a Christian, God's the one that truly satisfies your soul from all these materialistic things on this earth. So what he's given us, I want to further that. This one is for Anna. When you look at your husband, how proud are you of the man he is, the father he is, the partner he is, even in this crazy industry that he exists in? I'm going to tear up again. Um, I, I am unbelievably proud, proud of how hard he works. Um, I mean, being there in the off season and during the season, seeing the time he puts in, um, how dedicated of a player he is, but not just on the field, how dedicated of a daddy is and a husband he is. You get better how, at those things. <laughs> how he, he really does strive. If I say, you know, I need something different, his sole purpose is to try to make me happy. Um, it's true. And I just, <laughs> I just really appreciate, um, you know, I, I have told him many times I'm proud of the man that he is on the field, but I'm more proud of the man he is off the field um, for sure. That's awesome. Thank you for joining us. We certainly appreciate it. We look forward to seeing the many things and so many people that you're going to impact moving forward because I know you guys will. Um, And we can't wait to see you back on the field. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Athletes Doing Good. Go to CaptureSportsMarketing.com to listen to other interviews to hear stories about the person behind the player 
and the people behind the team who are making an impact on others.